So today's daf is Nun Bet in Psachim. We are basically the second to last line of Nun Aleph Amud Bet, but we are uh, like three lines from the end of the second to last line. Amar Rav Safar Rabbi Abba. Rav Safar said to Rabbi Abba, Kegon Anan, like us, we know the exact timing of the holidays, a famous question that's always asked, uh, why we have two days of Yom Tov today. That question is actually not dealt with here. That question is dealt with in Masechet Betzah in, in much more detail than it is here. But the question here was, if you come from a place where, they, where you know what, the, uh, what, what day the, chag, chag, you know, the Chagim fall out, you know what the Rosh Chodesh was, and so therefore you only have to keep one day, but you come to a place where they keep two days. That's basically what they're talking about here. They're talking about someone who knows, meaning who lives in a neighborhood where they wouldn't normally observe uh, more than one uh, day of holiday, but he he's, he leaves that neighborhood, okay, and he comes to a place where they don't. So he says, "Be lo avidna." So obviously, in the neighborhood, if you come to an actual town where people are observing Yom Tov Sheni, you cannot do Melachan Yom Tov Sheni, even though you are from a place where they uh, have only Yom Tov Rishon. But the question is, "Bamidbar mai?" What about in the desert? In other words, if you don't actually enter, let's say you came. To Amer- you came from Israel to America. This would be an example today that they, they wouldn't have necessarily had such a, uh, <coughs> such a situation because you have to travel pretty far to get to a place that uh, wouldn't be keeping the same custom that you were. But let's say today you could just get on a plane and you could just fly over to America. And let's say instead of coming into a Jewish community, you went into some place in the boondocks in the middle of nowhere. There's no Jews like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, one of the states like West Virginia or something. I don't know if there's any Jews there, right? Yeah, Maine. There's no Jews at all there. I know. I know there's some. There's some states that literally they have no no Jews at all. So if you come to a place where literally there's no Jews, it's like the midbar. In other words, nobody's going to know what you're doing or not doing. Just, that that would be a similar case. I'm just trying to make an analogy to this case. Talking about being in the midbar, meaning you didn't enter the yeshuv. You didn't enter the place where people are observing Yom Tov Sheni, but you're not in a place where they're observing Yom Tov Rishon. So I said, If you're in the community, you have to observe the same restrictions as the community if you are uh, if you are not if you don't enter the community which today would be you know either you're camping out somewhere in the middle of nowhere or you, whatever so then you wouldn't have to worry about the Yom Tov Shani if you come from a place where they only keep Yom Tov Rishon. that seems to be what the uh, what the deal is here what the and of course there's a lot of applications to today uh, in this Rav Natan Bar Asya Azal Berav the Pumbedita Yom Tov Shani Shel so Rav Natan Bar Asya traveled meaning he traveled outside the Tchum he violated second day of Yom Tov going from the Shiva and that was wrong because he went from yeah he went from a place where they didn't um, where he came from a place where they didn't keep Yom Tov Sheni but he came into a place where they did so Shamter Rav Yosef Rav Yosef put him into Cherem he put him into excommunication why don't we just give him some smacks you know why are you why are you putting him in Cherem I did a better thing better that we put him in we excommunicate him and we make a really strong statement than uh, giving him some smacks it's not going to be as good because this way people know it becomes public that uh, you can't do that you can't uh, trifle with second day of Yom Tov uh, so he says that uh, if you, in Israel they would they would give whipping to the uh, to bar, to somebody who was a barberav, somebody who was one of the students of the yeshiva, they would whip him, but they would not excommunicate him because it embarrasses the Torah. It, make, it looks bad 
Uh, Rashi says, Talmid Shesarach, if you have a student of the yeshiva that went bad, he went off the, off the path, they would, they would vote to give him whipping, but they didn't want to, uh, uh, to cause disgrace to the Torah by having to excommunicate someone, because that's something very public. You have to make public announcement. He's not allowed to be counted a minyan. He's not allowed this. So they don't want to do that. So they would just give him something quieter. Ikadam or some say, Nagadei Rav Yosef, that Rav Yosef actually, um, uh, whipped him, right? In other words, Rav Yosef was saying that I put him in excommunication because that's worse and I wanted to give him an even worse thing because you see that normally we don't give excommunication. We only whip, but here I gave him worse. That was the first version. The second version was that, no, we whipped him instead. And Amalei Abay Abay said to him, Nisham Temur, why don't you, uh, why don't you instead excommunicate him? Because Rav and Shmuel said that when it comes to the second day of Yom Tov, we actually put people in excommunication for violating it because it's something we really have to guard this tradition very carefully. And Amar Lehi said to him, He said, I did a better thing because this person is a student of Torah. He's a he's a young rabbinical student. He's someone that we don't want to embarrass the Torah by giving him too harsh of a penalty. And, and we know the B'marava in the West, Mimnu Anagadita, we know that in the West, meaning in Israel, they would agree to give whippings to a barberav, to somebody who was a Shiva student, but they wouldn't uh, agree to excommunicate. So the point is that in, the, according, in both cases, in both cases, Rav Yosef is saying that excommunication is harsher than whipping, which we could see why, because excommunication is like estrangement from the community for a period of time. Um, and it's embarrassing and all that, more embarrassing. In the first version, he purposely excommunicated him in order to make a statement. And Abaye said, why don't you just whip him? And he said, because I wanted to give him the harsher punishment. In the second version, he whipped him. And Abaye said, why didn't you excommunicate him? You're supposed to excommunicate him. And he said, no, since he is one of the rabbinical students, I gave him the lesser. I, gave, I purposely gave him the less harsh and the less public punishment because they didn't want to embarrass the Torah. That was the second version of the, um, of the story. Now it says like this, We learned in the Mishnah that if somebody, and it was very vague what exactly was going on here, and the, and the Gemara is going to unpack that and clarify that because the Mishnah said, if a person goes to a place, so we've learned about this many times, that in, when it comes to Shemitah, you're allowed to keep the Perot, the fruits of the Shvi'it, of the Shemitah year in your house, um, up to the time that they are still available in the field for uh, animals to eat, right? But once they are, once whatever, let's say carrots, I'm just making it up, carrots uh, are all gone from the field. So if you have carrots in your house, you have to get rid of them. Now there's a machlok at what bi'ur means. What do you have to actually do with them? According to the Rambam, you actually have to destroy whatever you had left in your house. According to most Rishonim, though, it doesn't mean that. It just means you have to make it ownerless. You have to take whatever you had in your house and you put it outside and let people take it. Now they have to destroy it. That's what bi'ur means according to most. According to the Rambam, it's actually bi'ur, like actual, like bi'ur chametz, you have to destroy it. But either way, the point is that this law, let's say you came from a place where they still had carrots in the field and you come to a place where they don't have carrots, right? Or, and, and you have carrots, you, you want to eat them, right? Or, uh, or vice versa, right? Makom a place where they had carrots. In, right? if, if you came from a place where they didn't have any carrots to a place where they still had them in the field or vice versa, it says chayab you have to, you're not allowed to eat carrots either way because either you came from a place in which they don't have them in the field anymore or you came to a place where they don't have them in the field anymore. So either way, you're stuck. And Rabbi Huda said a strange thing. 
Go bring them yourself. What does that mean, go bring them yourself? It's not clear what Rabbi Yehuda was trying to say, and the Gemara is going to ask this question. So, first of all, first is, So, initially, the Gemara is, uh, is assuming that Rabbi Yehuda is, uh, is disagreeing with the principle of the Mishnah, and Rashi explains, because he's saying that the interpretation, the assumption of what Rabbi Yehuda meant when he said, go bring it yourself, is this guy comes from a place where they still had carrots in the field to a place where they don't have them in the field anymore, right? And so the, uh, and so he says, uh, well, back in my neighborhood, they still have carrots, right? So I'm going to eat them. And they say, well, but we don't have carrots here in the field. You can't eat them. So, that was, so go bring them from my neighborhood. Meaning, go bring it yourself. I mean, he's allowed to break the custom of the, of the community that he's, that he's visiting because in his neighborhood there are carrots. He says, go back and get the carrots from there. Right? Something doesn't click here. I don't understand what you mean. In each area, right? Right, but it doesn't have to be the vegetables from the field. They have lots of other things. So in other words, as long as there are things available that are for the animals, those are the things they can eat. Once that type of species, it becomes gone. So this guy came with his carrots in his bag or whatever. He comes to a place where they don't have any carrots, okay. right? So now all of a sudden, the, uh, the people there say, what do you do with carrots? He says, well, if you want carrots, go back to my neighborhood. So what is that showing you? That's showing you that he's allowed to violate the custom of the community and tell them, go back. So how could that be? So they, aren't you supposed to keep the stringency of the place you're visiting? You're misunderstanding Rabbi Yehuda. Don't misconstrue his words. That's what he meant. Right, so in a, if a person goes from a place where they don't, where they still have carrots, right, to another place where they still have carrots, in other words, you come from Great Neck and you're visiting, uh, uh, you're visiting uh, Port Jefferson. I'm making this up totally because obviously this is only Eretz Israel, right? You're from Haifa and you're visiting uh, Yerushalayim. In Haifa, they had plenty of carrots when you left. In Yerushalayim, they have plenty of carrots also when you got there. But the only thing is, you heard that in Haifa, they, all, they just ran out of carrots while you were gone. So in other words, when you left, they still had them. And when you got to, uh, to, to Yerushalayim, they have them. But now the place you came from, so the, so, the, so the Chachamim are saying, since the place you came from now stopped eating carrots over there, now you have to stop. Even though when you left, they were still eating it. In other words, you left a place that had carrots and you came to a place that had carrots, but since, since you were gone in the original place, there's no more carrots, so now you're not allowed to eat the carrots, according to Chachamim and Rabbi Yudah Omer, Tseva Velecha Avata. Right? Mecha, they tinu. Right? Veha, lo kalulu. And Rabbi Yudah is saying, you can bring carrots from the place that you're in. In other words, you're right here, right now, in a place where they had carrots. When you left them, you had carrots. Why can't you eat carrots? You were never in a place that they didn't have carrots. You left the place that, 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 that ran out of carrots before they ran out. And that's what Rabbi Yehuda is saying. So So you're interpreting Rabbi Yehuda as a leniency, right? Because he's saying the Chachamim would say that since his point of origin, they ran out of carrots. So now he also has to uh, uh, abstain from carrots. Right? But Rabbi Eliezer had a tradition that Rabbi Yehuda's statement, statement was the Chumrah. Not lekula. He wasn't being lenient. He was being stringent. And that means that when he said, go bring it yourself, he meant in some way, some kind of astringency, right? But, right? It must be the opposite. It must be in the, that the Chachamim said, you didn't have to get rid of it. 
Okay, in other words, if you came from a place where they had carrots, and you came to a place where they also have carrots, but in the meantime, while you were gone, they ran out. Rebbe, the Chachamim are saying, since you came from a place where they had carrots, and when you left, they still had them. And when you arrived at this place, they have carrots. You don't have to now say, well, since back home, they ran out of carrots, I have to stop. You don't have to do that. And Rebbe Yehuda is the one who's saying, go bring it yourself. Meaning to say, Rebbe Yehuda, meaning you'll say to this visitor, go back home and bring carrots from where you came from. If you can't do that, then you can't eat them. In other words, according to this review, who does the stringent one, but the concept is the same. We're just switching the players, okay? According to uh, the question is, if I came from a place where they don't have car- where they had carrots when I left, and I come to a place where they have carrots when I get there, but my original point of origin they ran out. Do I still have to keep the chumrei makom she halach misham? Do I still have to keep the, the stringencies of home if when I left things were okay and where I got to things? So I was never actually in a place where they didn't have carrots physically. Do I still have to go by the minhag of the whatever they're doing back home? And according to this, Chachamim are saying, no, you don't. And Rabbi Yudah is saying, yes, you do. Abaye Amar, Abaye says, wait a second. We can go back to the principle that we had before. In other words, we don't have to, uh, we don't have to go with this interpretation that we're talking about where he came to a place that was the same as where he came from, except that while he was gone, the situation changed at home. We don't have to go like that. But let's read it like this. He says, that if he came from a place where they still had carrots to a place where they didn't have carrots, like the simple meaning of what we originally thought they meant, right? What we originally thought the Mishnah was talking about, right? Not that they both really had carrots until the last minute, right? The Chachamim was saying something else. If you went from a place where they didn't run out of carrots and you happened to visit a place where Shekalu, they didn't have carrots. So you came from your hometown, they had carrots. You brought the carrots with you to this place where they don't have any carrots. So you wouldn't actually be able to eat them there. But then you go back to your home where they do have carrots. And the Chachamim were saying, you don't have to get rid of them just because you went to a neighborhood where they didn't have carrots. It doesn't like happen like that. Right? And Rabbi Yehuda is saying, no, since you came to a place where they had to get rid of carrots, you stepped into that place. Let's say, let's say Yerushalayim didn't have carrots and Haifa did. You went from Haifa, you, you had carrots, you went into Yerushalayim, you were in Yerushalayim. At the moment you were in Yerushalayim where everybody had to get rid of their carrots because it was there were no carrots there and you were in that neighborhood. Now you go back to Haifa, it doesn't matter that you went back to Haifa because you were in Yerushalayim and therefore those carrots have to be get, gotten rid of now. Okay? That's the way, that's the way Abaye is interpreting Rabbi Yehuda. And the Chachamim are saying, no, since you went back home and back home they still have carrots, you can eat the carrots. Okay, now the Gemara says, la Rav Ashi, the Rav, uh, he says, so Rav Ashi said, wait a second. What kind of a strange idea is that? So a guy was carrying the carrots on the back of his donkey while he went through uh, this neighborhood and all of a sudden the, the carrots become prohibited because he walked through. He wasn't even there. He walked through and all of a sudden because he had carrots in his pocket, they become prohibited because he walked in. That's a strange idea. She says, that's not the issue between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim here. It's a different issue. It must be the machlokat between these Tanaim over here. Let's say you have three different kinds of vegetables that you pickle in one big barrel, right? You know, sometimes they pickle, let's say, uh, they might pickle different kinds of vegetables together. They pickle, um, uh, obviously, cucumber. But they, uh, they also pickle a lot of other uh, vegetables and maybe they, they put, you know, you put a mix of different vegetables in there, cabbage or whatever, into pickle. And you did that. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Ochlin ala Rishon. So, Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Yoshua says, Af ala Acharon. 
So the question is, so Rashi says, as soon as the first one runs out, since, you're, since you put them all together in one pickling, in one jar, let's say, in one chavit is really a barrel, right? So since you put them all in one barrel, they all became one. So there's two possibilities. You could either say the first one, let's say carrots are in there, cabbage is in there, and cucumbers in there, Okay. Now, cucumbers ran out in the field already, so everyone is getting rid of their cucumbers, but you have a mix of cucumbers, carrots, and cabbage. So do you have to get rid of, you made it into a new entity, right? So according to Rabbi Eliezer, as soon as the cucumbers became prohibited, now, even though there were still carrots in the field and there's still cabbage, the fact that you made it into one entity and there's one forbidden thing in there now, you have to get rid of all of it. Rabbi Yoshua is saying the opposite. He's saying, no, the last thing to go, meaning you can be as lenient as possible. So let's say carrots ran out in the field. But I'll say, yeah, but those, my carrots are mixed in here with these, pickle, with these pickles and with these uh, kruv, with the cabbage. Oh, but pickles ran out, oh, but it's still mi- mixed with cabbage. Okay, when finally the third thing, all three of them are out of the field, so now I have to get rid of it. So, the que- so we're, both of them are assuming that we look at this as a new entity. The question is, do we look at it as a new entity and say the first thing that has to be gotten rid of now, all of them have to be gotten rid of. Or we say that the first thing, the last thing to be gotten rid of, then they all have to be gotten rid of. Okay? That's the machlok between Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua. Now, Rab- what? What about chita? Right, but we're not talking about that. We're just talking about vegetables now. Just focus on vegetables. Yeah. So it says, Rabban Gamliel Omer, kol shikalamino en min anything that ran out in the field, in other words, the halacha follows that, meaning that if you have cucumbers, uh, you have carrots, and you have, uh, you have cabbage in this pickle jar, okay, if cucumbers are removed from the field because they ran out, so now you have to get rid of just the pickles. And if the cabbage, then just the cabbage. In other words, it doesn't become one new entity, according to him. Now, what's the relevance of this to our machloket? Why is Rav Ashi saying that this relates to our machloket and our mishnah between Rebbe Yehuda? And the Chachamim, so Rashi explains. That this is what the Tanakama means in our Mishnah. That if you went from a place where they did not run out of carrots to a place where they ran out, right? So then it says, Kulan Chayav Levair. Okay, then you're going to, then Aval Kalum Miktsatan Ochel In other words, he says that if you have. Um, a, that what case are the Chachamim and Rabbi Yehuda arguing about in the Mishnah? They're arguing about a case where you had this mixture of different vegetables. And the Chachamim are saying, you went from a place where they had these vegetables to a place where they don't have these vegetables. As long as mixed into your jar are some of the vegetables that were, are not, uh, you know, they haven't run out yet, you're still allowed to eat even the ones that did run out. In other words, since you have this mix of these different pickled vegetables, you can eat all of them even though you came to, let's say you came from a place where they had all three vegetables still available in the field. You came to this place where they didn't have carrots. Okay, but my carrots are mixed with pickles and this and that. And so I'm allowed to eat the whole jar. And Rabbi Yudah says, no, if even one of them has run out, I hold that if even one of them has run out, he holds like Rabbi Eliezer, that if even one of them has run out, you, uh, you have to, uh, you're not allowed to uh, partake of any of them. And that's why it says that, that, uh, that, uh, Right? Right? So meaning since you cannot find that 
particular item, like, he holds like Rabban Gamliel, it says actually, not like, uh, not like Rabbi Yehoshua, right? So, meaning that he's holding like Rabban Gamliel, Rashi says, that according to Rabbi Yehuda, we look at each min. So, if it turns out that carrot, that you came from a place where all three of the vegetables you have in your brew are all uh, available, and then you came to a place where they ran out of carrots, you have to take all the carrots out. The Chachamim would say you could eat the whole thing because you mixed it together into a new entity. You could eat the whole thing. Rabbi Yudah saying, no, you have to take out whatever species are not available in the new place that you came to. Because since you can't find those items in the new place that you came to, you can't rely on the fact that they're mixed into a new entity. That's the way that Rav Ashi interprets it. No. Oh, he thought it also. That's what it was in my head that it was Rabbi Eliezer, but Rashi says it's Karaban Gamliel. Yeah. Uh, either way works. The point is that they're just trying to connect it to this machloket and say that it's uh, that according to Rabbi Yehuda will be stringent. According to, of course, the real issue with this interpretation of the Mishnah is that it has absolutely nothing to do with. Uh, <laughs> With what it actually says in the Mishnah, or seems to say in the Mishnah, in other words, it would make their machloket completely, like completely, uh, not related to the main point of minhagim, really. Right. But okay, anyway, that sometimes happens. And then Ravina Amar we can connect it to the to the argument of a different uh, set of Tanaim. The Tanah says in the Mishnah, ad that we can eat the we can eat dates in all of the area of Yehuda. Until the last palm tree, uh, you know, date tree in the area is run out, you know, has run out of dates. And Rashi says on the bottom here, she irat marim. We're going to learn later about the three aratzot for Shemitah. Okay, so they, so, uh, so uh, even though they, um, and uh, as we're going to see up, upcoming soon, right? Shalosh aratzot biur she'en bnei Yehuda uchlivi shekalu b'chol eretz Yehuda v'afal pi shelo kalu begalil. Right? In other words, each area, there are different regions that it goes by. It doesn't go by the entire Eretz Israel. It goes by the regions, okay? We're going to see. But, so, until the last dates of Tzohar are gone, you could still eat dates in Eretz Yehuda. So this means that you can eat whatever is on the normal branches um, of the tree, but you can't eat what is among the thorns of the tree, okay? Because among the thorns of the tree, the animals can't really get to it. And the idea is that, um, that you're only allowed to partake of vegetables and fruits that are still available to Hayat Sadeh. Wow. And since the animals can't get to it because it's the thorns, that's why you wouldn't be able to rely on those dates. They don't count, okay? Now, Rashi explains how does this connect to our Machlok with Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim, because it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the Chachamim Rabbi Yehuda. But he says that our Mishnah, Chikam, I'm reading from the Rashi on Nun Bet and Mud Bet, it's in the middle of the Rashi, I'm just grabbing the middle of it. He says, Achikam, Tanakama, the Tanakama says, that so that when, it's, when the Chachamim are talking about that the fruit has run out, they mean that it's run out, okay? Um, that, uh, that it has run out um, it, it, completely, but e- meaning that even if there's some among the thorns, it's still considered not to have run out. And Rabbi Yehuda is saying, when he says, you should go bring yourself, meaning since you can't get to them because of the thorns, that doesn't count as them being available. So again, this machloket would have not much directly to do with minhagim. It has more to do with the halachot of Shemitah. According to this, the machloket between them is what's considered the fruit being available, that it's physically present or that it's actually accessible because actually accessible among the thorns 
burnt, it's not accessible, right? So the, and that would be the machloket about what's defined as being available. Just like previously, the machloket of what's defined as an entity having or not having run out. Do you look at the new pickled jar as one thing? Or do you new, look at the pickled jar as uh, three different things in one jar? And you have to judge each independently, okay? But again, that wouldn't have anything directly, directly to do with the case of, uh, with, the, with the issue of minhagim. Now, the, uh, so now we get to, it's not a time we learned over there in, with, with regard to Shvi'it, in, in the Masachet Shvi'it. There are three areas with respect to removal of Perot Shmita. Yehuda, Ve'ever Yarden, Ve'galil. These are the three areas. Okay, one is Yehuda, one is Ever Yarden, the, the Jordan area, and the Galil. And within them, there are three di- districts in each. And the reason why they define these three areas is to tell you that even though they're rather large sections of the country, as long as anywhere in that section of the country there are fruits of that type available, even if it's far from where you actually are, are at the moment, but it's, but it's still part of that district, you can still eat based on the fact that it's available in that area area, okay? Rashi says the three districts within the three sections are not really that important. The main point is that if you're in the Yehudad section, the Ever Yarden section, or the Galil section, as long as there is of that type of fruit in your area, you're still allowed to, um, to eat it. It would be like if you said, like, as long as in New York there are apples, you could eat it, even if you're nowhere near uh, where they actually grow the apples upstate or whatever. It doesn't matter, right? You're considered in New York, but if they have them in, in Virginia, that won't help you. Now, I'm just giving an example. Now, now, Minani Mili, what is the, uh, what, where do we get this from? Amar Rav Chama Bar Ukva, Amar Yosi Bar Chanina, Amar Kwa, Velifem Techa, Velachaya Shabar Tzecha. It says, for your animal and for the wild animal that is in your land. Now, Behema is usually a domesticated animal, right? Chaya is a wild animal, but either way, Kozman, Chaya Ochelet, the rule is that as long as it is available to the wild animals, in other words, as long as it's available in nature, you can also feed it to your domesticated animal. When it becomes unavailable in nature, you can't feed it to your domesticated animal. We learned, you have to look this up for us, that apparently the animals in the Yehuda area of Israel would not be able to eat or be sustained by the fruits in the Galil. They don't like the Galil, they, they, or they don't go there, or it sounds like it means that they wouldn't be, it wouldn't be adapted. It wouldn't be, they, they, and, and it's true that we know that ecosystems are you know, uniquely tailored to the animals that live in in those areas, the animals that live in certain areas, their food is, um, you know, the ecosystem provides exactly what they need and they provide to the ecosystem what it needs and that's how, that, that's how the relationship works. Don't have any raccoons over there. Well, thank God for that. That's one thing we're happy about. Yeah, they have a lot of chatulim. Yeah, but in any case, in any case, the, so the uh, the point is that um, that you have these three sections, and and because the once the uh, one section loses completely its perot uh, of a certain type, so then you have to remove them. If you carry fruits from Eretz to Chutzaretz, you have to destroy them wherever you find them. In other words, if you realize that oh, I brought carrots with me, and now I know that there are no more carrots, and wherever I left Eretz, so I left Yehuda, and I and there were no more, and there are no more carrots there now, and I brought the carrots with me in my bag. So now I have to destroy them. You have to bring them back into Israel to destroy them. Now again, destroying, according to the Rambam, actually means destroying it physically, meaning like burning it. According to the other, most of the other Rishonim, it just means making it hefker, making it available. So meaning the mitzvah, making it available to people and animals is in Eretz Yisrael. You have to go back. Because it says Right? It, that's what the Pasuk says. Right? 
But the Gemara says, Ha'afikte, you already used that pasuk to tell us about the fact that the land has different sections. How can you now use it to tell us that you have to bring it back in order to get rid of it? Right? Because it could have just said Ba'aretz, and it says Ba'aretzcha. Why does it say Ba'aretzcha, emphasizing your land? So you have to go back. Inami, alternatively, Me'asher Ba'aretzcha, the extra word Asher Ba'aretzcha, instead of just, it's really Ba'asher Ba'aretzcha, but right, it, it, instead of saying, uh, in, instead of saying just, instead of just saying the word Ba'aretzcha, Ve'lachaya Ba'aretzcha would have been enough. You don't have to say Asher Ba'aretzcha, it teaches you extra word. You have to also make, when you do Bi'ur, it has to be in Eretz Yisrael, whatever the Bi'ur is. Rav Safra, Nafak, Me'aretz Yisrael, Chutz Aretz, one time Rav Safra left Eretz Yisrael, he went to Chutz Aretz, he had some Shvi'it wine, some wine of the grapes of Shvi'it, and of course the time had passed where there were no more grapes available in the field, and now he had the problem of having to do Bi'ur, but he was in Chutz Aretz. So, so he had two rabbis with him, and whenever you have two rabbis, we know that they always agree on everything, and you're not going to have any problem asking them a question, they're going to give you exactly the same answer. So Amalu, he said to them, Has anybody here heard whether the Halakha follows Rabbi Shimon ben Al-Azhar or not? Do I have to actually schlep this back to Eretz Yisrael in order to uh, do Bi'ur of uh, Shemitah or, or can I just get rid of it here? We got to take it back with us. We cannot just get rid of it here. Either whether getting rid of it means making it hefker or destroying it. We can't do it here. We have to bring it back. No, says Rav Huna Barid Rav Vika. Hachiyam Rabbi Abahu en halachak Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. No, it's the opposite. He said that the halachat doesn't follow Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. You do not have to bring it back to Eretz Yisrael in order to get rid of it. So you don't have to worry. Amar Rav Safra, Nekot HaKlala, Rav Huna Biyadach. You should take this rule of Rav Huna in your hand. Because he is more exact in his uh, in in the traditions that he got from his teacher. In other words, he was very exact in the wording and everything that he received from his teacher. And therefore, Rav Huna, who was the one who was more lenient in this case, he's the one that's reliable. Okay, and now he says, like Rachva of Pumbedita. The Marachva Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Harabayit Stav Kafulaya. Like Rachva said in the name of Rabbi Yehuda, the Mount, uh, the, the uh, Temple Mount was Stav Kaful. It was like a double um, seating area. Like it was a, it's hard, you know, it, it was a, a double kind of a uh, uh, of a seating area, one within the other. And he said, Stav Lifnim Mistav. Uh, one within the other. Now, there's a whole question of what was the exactitude that he showed by saying that? What was the diuk that he says? So, Rachva is so good because he said that Harabait was stav kaful. So, wh- wh- why did he, why is that so deep? Why is that so precise? So there's a lot of different interpretations. Here, I believe Rashi says, because he, since he didn't know whether it was Rabbi Yehuda or Rav Yehuda, so therefore, he would say, uh, he, would, he, he would include both possibilities just to be sure that he, got the, he, he wasn't sure from whom he heard the, 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 the teaching and whose name he heard the teaching. Some say it was because the language that he used, Stav Kaful, that that was, very, that was exact language of his teacher. Either way, he was known for being very precise. Why this example illustrates him being precise, everybody tries to figure out and nobody has an answer that seems especially convincing. But he was considered precise. And he's saying, Rav Huna is the one who's more precise and he's the lenient one too, so I'm going to go with that. Rav Yosef, says something which shows you that the rabbis did have a sense of humor even back then because it said Kare Rav Yosef Kare Ale Rav Yosef 
Rav Yosef said about this incident, Ami Yishal. This is making fun, actually. This is in Hosea, making fun of how the uh, Jews would ask their stick, meaning they would do all kinds of weird, they would go to psychics and they would ask, you know, all kinds of astrologers, psychics and things like that. They would ask a stick, and his, and his staff would tell him things. In other words, he was making fun of how they went after the, instead of listening to the prophets and the vi'im, they would go after all this nonsense of talking to sticks and talking to all these occult things. And he said, right, so what did he say? He said, right? Right? That, that anybody who is lenient, Magidlo, he's the one that he's going to listen to. Meaning, you said that the reason why you want to follow Ravuna, right? He says, instead of Makel, Makel is the stick, right? The, the stick that they would say, ask the stick for a thing and throw it down or whatever and say, oh, it tells me to do this or that. He's saying it's Mekel, Kola Mekel Magidlo. Whoever is telling him the lenient thing, he's speaking to him. Meaning, I, I hear your point. I think you're more accurate. You have the lenient view. So Rav Yosef was a little bit making fun that why did he, that he said that the reason why Rav Huna was, uh, was more reliable was because he's more accurate, but really could just be because, uh, because it was a more lenient position and he liked it better because it made his life easier. So that was Rav Yosef's a little bit of, um, a little bit of uh, irony there, or a little bit of wry humor. But in any case, Bezrat Hashem, we'll start from here tomorrow.